Well, good morning, friends. This is podcast number 430 for Thursday, December 2nd. It's officially legal to put your Christmas lights up, although mine were up before Thanksgiving. So, uh, and I don't apologize for that. I don't need forgiveness. (laughs) I was just in the mood, so we put up the lights, and I pray that you are well. Uh, We're in 1 John in our series. Grab your Bibles, grab your notepads. I pray that you are doing well. And I pray that you're enjoying this study. And it, this study is is not complete. It's not extensive. Uh, uh, we're going through quite a few scriptures, but um, you can study the the book on your own. I would recommend reading it and rereading it. It's just five chapters. We're going to be in the study for a little while, so maybe you'll want to take and read the whole book. You know, maybe once a week. So in First John chapter five, let's look at our two memory verses. Excuse me. Verse 11, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life, and that should be an evangelistic verse for you, is that if you know people that do not have the Son, they do not have life, which means that eternal life for them is not going to be eternal life in heaven. It's just... The sad fact, the more I studied the scripture, and and I, I've been doing a, quite a bit of study in in um, end-time prophecy, which I've never really um, spent that much time in, but I'm spending time in Daniel and Matthew 24 and, and uh, the book of Revelation, studying that. And also I'm in the book of Romans, which is maybe one of the study we'll do soon, but um, just... Being retired and having the time to spend time in the Word has just been the most valuable thing, and I need to to redeem that time and take advantage of it. And so reading the Scripture and, and um, spending time in the Word and asking God to reveal it to me and, and to teach me is so valuable and so important. And I ask you to do the same with the time that you have. Um, we all have 24 hours. We we dispense it in different ways. Some of you are working. And so that's not just eight hours or 10 hours. That's the time that it gets up and you get up in the morning, you get ready and you go. And then you come back, you clean up and you have your family time. So I understand this. I've, I worked many, many hours and many long days. So I understand the fatigue that goes with it and you're raising family. <clears throat> but uh, I would recommend... Um, establishing time to study the Word of God. And and this podcast may be part of that. I hope it's not all of it. I hope you're spending time at church and you're in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. First uh, John chapter 1, we'll read those four verses again. We're still there. We'll be there for a while. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, was made manifest to you that which we have seen and have heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy or your joy, some manuscripts say, may be complete. John's desire is for you to know Jesus, not just to know about him. Let's look at uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. 
fourth book of the New Testament, the last gospel, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John says this, what is the purpose of my writing this gospel? Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, that you may have life in his name. The purpose of all of John's writings is for us to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship is is not just um, told by John to be available to us. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 14. A familiar portion of scripture, John chapter 14, I quote verse 6 often. But I want to read a few verses here, and I want to show you that the life, um, a life in close relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Father is possible. It's not just some pie-in-the-sky thing, and it's not that someday we'll know Jesus. No, we can know him now. We're not going to ever exhaust our knowledge of him. But look at what John says is to his disciples, or Jesus says to his disciples. He's telling them, hey, I'm getting ready to go away, and they're a little freaked out about it. And you would be too. John chapter 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Thomas did ask him, said, we don't know the way. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him, for you have seen me. He says, you're going to know the Father. In fact, you know the Father because you know me. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me, in, and that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Jesus says, you can know me, and because you know me, you know the Father. John chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So he talks about a relationship that is available to us. And why would we not want that? But with that availability of that relationship comes responsibility as well. We do, not, we do not just proclaim that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We show forth that relationship in our activities and in our actions. And, and I just want to focus on one of those things that shows us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. Now, some of you may have thought, because I'm reading the first verses of 1 John over and over again, that that's all the farther we have gotten. No, those are just our our. Our, our, our standard, our foundational verses. So we're getting through the book of 1 John, and uh, we won't be in it verse by verse, um, like reading every single verse. What we'll do is, is we'll use those verses to springboard to other verses. So I hope you understand that. This will not be um, an exhaustive study of 1 John, but hopefully we'll get enough out of it. It'll whet your appetite to study more. So look at 1 John chapter 4. Um. In verse 7, and John is laying down something for us to understand as disciples, something incredibly important. Beloved, let us love one another, verse 7, 
of chapter 4, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Man did not invent love. <laughs> In fact, man's love is pretty weak. We're conditional. Um, we, you know, love is a single word to us, where it was four uh, words to the Greeks. You know, we love our wives and we love tacos or we love football. And um, and it's hard to determine what, <laughs> many times, what is really truthfully love, right? But God says, if you love me, you know God. Anyone who does not uh, know, uh, does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God has been made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. John chapter 1 and verse 14, right? We know that. We know that verse really well. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means that he paid the price. He stepped in and paid the price. He took the wrath of God upon uh, him. The wrath of God was poured upon on him that should have been poured on us because we are the ones who have sinned. Jesus did never sin. He did not sin. He never sinned. He was sinless. He was the sinless lamb of God. John chapter 1 verse 29, who takes away the sins of the world. We cannot become sinless. We um, have no righteousness in and of ourselves. Romans 3 10 says there's none righteous, no, not one. But Jesus Christ came and paid the price. He was the one who st stood in our place and took the wrath of God for you and I. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he abides in us because he has given us his spirit. Here again, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So that we have come to know and to believe the love of God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Let me break this down with some great notes from my ESV study Bible on these verses. John exhorts his readers to love one another because God is the source of love, and his children reflect, reflect his love. God is the source, and we are the reflection of his love, not our own love. Persons devoid of love do not know God because God is love, says that in verse 8. We recognize God's love by the fact that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world so that believers might gain eternal life through faith in him. God went first. God goes first. He um, sent his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for us that we might have this bridge back to God the bridge that was broken and burned by the sin of Adam and Eve that destroyed that intimate fellowship. And God sent his son to restore that fellowship. That's true, true love. Furthermore, love starts with God in Christ, not with us. He loved us. God demonstrated his love by sending his unique son to be the perpetuation for our sins. He stood in our place. He took the the our sin upon him. Perpetuation means that the death of Christ enables God to remain just when rescuing sinners. We always talk about God being love, but his justice is just as much a part of his love. It's amazing to me when I talk to people that they all want to talk about the love of God, and yet when they're hurt, they want justice. 
and yet they don't see God as the God of justice who needs to deal with their sins. Christ satisfies God's just demands, taking the penalty that our sins deserve. Consequently, God's perfect love casts out fear of eternal punishment. That's what it means when it says love casts out fear. We have no fear of eternal punishment. Why? Because when we have applied the gift of God to our life through Jesus Christ, we have no fear of further punishment or the wrath of God because the wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus. Now, do we sin? Of course we do. We don't have to, but we do. And in 1 John says, if we say we have no sin, we make God to be a liar. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. We need to understand that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who loves us so much, the Bible says in Mark chapter 10, that he came not to to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. God's active love for us empowers us to love each other. He is invisible, but if his children demonstrate compassion, God truly dwells in them and his love reaches its goal in their lives. We make God's love visible by the way we love um, through, his love flows through us. That's so important especially in the time in which we live in when there's this big separation and then there's big desire to really to throw up these walls and say, I'm not letting anybody in because I, I don't trust anybody anymore. We can trust God. We can pray for divine appointments and divine leadings where God leads us to people to be able to extend his love to them. God's people recognize that they abide in him and he is in them by his Holy Spirit. Again, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit active within us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he's going to come and live within us and then we'll be witnesses. He dwells in our hearts. John bears witness as an apostle that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Through the prologue in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, uh, John just goes out of his way to explain who Jesus is. People should not claim to dwell in God if they have not professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, but for the person who truly professes faith, God abides in him and he is in God. It, is, it, it used to be said that people thought they were Christians because they were Americans. That's just never been true and is definitely not true today in this really post-Christian society in which we live in. We need a revival that of, of God's love. We need a revival of the, of the <clears throat> um, reminder that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Coming to recognize and accept God's love in Christ is a supernatural event. It's not something we do on our own. It's not something we recognize on our own. We just don't wake up one day and think, I'm a sinner. What do I do with that? Because our desire is to take care of our own needs and then the needs of our family, and we get very selfish in that, and we'll do whatever it takes to take care of them. The reality is that God is the ultimate provider, and we are stewards. We own nothing. You know, the 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 the, the the Christians believe in the New Testament that basically that uh, uh, that we're supposed to, you know, maybe tie 10% because that belongs to God. The truth is the, in, in, from the Old Testament to the New, God owns everything. He did in the Old as well. Anything that we have, uh, the Bible says that every good gift comes down from the Father. So we don't own anything. We just need to be stewards. And we need to be stewards of his love as well. And that's what John is saying here. It says, um, 
John repeats God is love and draws an unavoidable conclusion. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God's abide, God abides in him. Again, we're not talking about human love here. We're talking about a love that is, is truly supernatural with the ability to forgive and the ability to reach out to people who we wouldn't normally reach out to in our own um, strength. And this is one of the proofs that we are in God and God is in us, that we have a love that flows from somewhere beyond ourselves. It is the eternal tap of God's love that flows through us. Let's look at um, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. And we'll read three more verses and then we'll close. 1 John chapter 3 verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It, it, it seems more than ever that the, the church is just divided and people are divided and people are, wouldn't walk across the street to talk to someone else of another denomination. And this ought not to be so, he said. If you hate, you're literally a murderer. I mean, that's what it means. We're guilty of hate if, and we're guilty of murder. We, we've broken the commandment. We're supposed to love one another. And we're supposed to love one another supernaturally through Christ, laying down his life for us. And then we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We ought to understand that love is so essential and so important. And in a time when everybody wants to just kind of divide and get into their own little circles or little groups of three and four and five and say, well, we're the ones with the truth and we're the No, no. We need to show we're the ones um, that have truth by our love for one another. And the world is watching. And the scripture says they will know you you are my disciples by your love for one another. They're watching how we treat one another. I think it was Swindoll who said the, the church is the only is the only army that shoots its wounded. Oh, that's such a sad, sad statement, but the problem is I've seen it too many times. People fall. And we all have struggles and we all have failures and we just want to beat them down rather than pick them up. Do you want to prove that you're a disciple? You ought to love one another. Let me close in prayer. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again.